the opening prayer at Mass is very, very important. It's called the collect. In a sense, it collects all the prayers of the community. So normally the priest will say, the Lord be with you, and there's a silent time. And that's when you're, you offer up the thoughts, your hopes, your prayers. And then in a sense, the priest brings them all together with that prayer. And for the first two Sundays of Advent, there are themes like run, hasten, be about God's work right now. And in this third Sunday of Advent, this Gaudete Sunday, we are told to faithfully await the coming of the Lord. Faithfully await with everything that's going on. <laughs> you're busy, aren't you? Yeah. I'm even doing some cards this year. I know I'm out of touch. I can't even find addresses. <laughs> I've got email addresses. I've got, this is crazy. Um, but it's life. But I'm still going to fight it. I'm in the fight. Are you in the fight? Yes. <laughs> you know, Advent, it's a beautiful time in the church's year when we're kind of, we're not kind of, we're instructed to focus. Focus on how empty life is without the message of Christ, the life of Christ, the grace and power of God in Christ Jesus in our life. By the Holy Spirit, he brings not just baptism, but baptism in fire. The purifying fire that embellishes each one of us as we struggle to live more fully. The calling we receive to be one like Jesus in all things. It's a tough road to hoe. But we know that by God's grace and in the, the power of the sacraments by which God comes right into our life, when we receive the Eucharist, we receive God, body, soul, divinity, humanity. Never, never, never do we ever come to receive the Eucharist without very, very devoutly receiving the Lord sacramentally present. If you're a right-hander, you put out your hand as a throne upon which you put your left hand to receive your Savior, your Lord, your hope, your bounty. And then you devoutly receive. And you go back to your, your pew and you th give thanksgiving. If you're a lefty, you do it the other way, right? You make a throne of your hand, the dignity of the human person created in God's image. And slowly being restored to his likeness, you place your hand there to receive devoutly the body of Christ. Holy One, not a symbol, but Christ, soul, body, divinity, humanity, and then devoutly receive that Christ has many ways of coming in our lives. I just noticed coming in the church. The, um, I always kind of take you know, a second little look at the, um, the statue of the beggar, you know, 
I said, whoa, <laughs> was there someone there? Because I, I don't come here every week. But um, then I, I just noticed today the hole in the hands. And so anyway, I thought, oh, oh, wow, these, you know, St. Cyril people, they really think of everything. But I mean, uh, how Christ comes to us in so many different ways, even in those in surprises and sometimes annoying ways, right? Even annoying in our families. Goodness gracious, can you imagine? Oh, I wouldn't say that, Father. Why not? <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> but that's okay, because you're annoying to people too. You know? <laughs> it's so... You know, can you imagine how God must just laugh? But he also goes to the infinite to restore us to the beauty of Eden, a new Eden, a new creation, a new exodus, a new life. Advent brings us together. Focus on our real need. And all the presents are cool, especially when you do them out of love. You know when you're going overboard, and you do it anyway. It's kind of fun. Jesus went to banquets, right? He wasn't a sourpuss. <laughs> he knew how to have a good time. But he also knew how to call people to a task. Like John the Baptizer, who'd you go out there to see? Somebody just blowing with like a politician, wherever the winds blow? I say that as a challenge to politicians to start being strong and to have character. The Christ is the light of the world. In Isaiah, he's my hope, <laughs> my trust, he's my life, my brother, Savior and Lord. I go from here, ita misa es, the Mass is ended. Go, share the Christ. You become what you consume. You know that. That hope is Isaiah, the prophet's hope. It's present nascently in its ursprungs, its early part. The third Sunday, the pink calendar, I mean the candle there, the, what did the, the rose vestments, just reminding us, hey, wait a minute, we're halfway there. Get back on board. Did you hear Isaiah's vision? Isaiah's in a time of incredible calamity when the um, Jerusalem is, is, the northern kingdom's been pulled away, the people scattered by the Assyrians. The Assyrians and the Chaldeans have taken away everything around Jerusalem. In the middle of this, he has this image that you see in Isaiah chapter 35. 
hardly, um, at the beginning, hardly a, a picture of joy. You have a desert. But have any of you ever been in the desert in the springtime when the rains come? I've lived in deserts, parched places. Then all of a sudden, almost overnight, seeds that were laying there who knows how long. Lantana, whatever you call it, it comes blooming forth. And here's this vision that, that Isaiah is writing. And he's writing of, of the hope that God is for Israel in the midst of their trials. And you think you've got tough trials. Well, your trials are real. So was Isaiah's. And your hope is real because you place it in the Lord. And Isaiah speaks with vision and with imagery. An image of gladness, joy, rejoice, gaudete. A faithful awaiting. Israel's existence is in the balance. But he has a vision in which he's so overwhelmed with joy and his trust in God. It's not craziness. He knows where bounty comes from. And most of you have been in deserts. I've been in deserts. I'm not talking about the dry land. But times when you figure, where is my next day coming? He calls on all creation, even the driest moments of our lives, to come to life. And they will come to life because God gives life. The vision continues. If you heard the gospel passage, then will the eye, this is Isaiah, then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will we ha the lame leap like a stag. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. There is your God. He comes to save you. Jesus' miracles of healing were real. They were attested to. These are real people who knew life and death. They knew what it meant to have a bone broken and, and the, the danger of infection, whatever they knew that to be. They knew you didn't come out of things like that very easily, but Jesus healed people, and it's attested to in commentary after commentary. But what we are, when we look back at those miracles, we have to see them also as symbols of what God is doing in Jesus now for each one of us. And that he will bring to completion in the day of glory. That we look forward to and we anticipate every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. That, that great day of glory. What he did on earth, he will continue to do. And will bring all to completion in glory. His healing of the blind symbolizes his spiritual healing of our eyes our inward eyes, how we look at others, how we look upon life, our perception of reality, which is so skewed, messed up. Can we take away and see with eyes that are clear? See as God sees. That's the spiritual journey you and I are on, friends. He makes the ears of the deaf to hear. Symbolizing how he makes the ears of our innermost self, our very soul, to hear God's will. Let's see, how can I follow you, Lord, today? It's tough, it's hard, but you will make me do. 
How could we not break out in song this morning, friends? Psalm 146, what was the, come and save us, Lord, come and save us. Did you see how Lord, L-O-R-D, was capitalized in the psalm? In English, when a psalm has Lord capitalized, that's a translation for the holy name, Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, which Jews, pious Jews, would never utter out loud. But in the last five books of the psalm, last psalm, five psalms, they use it over and over because they know that the Lord is intimate to them. And so we were singing that, friends. And if you get a chance when you're at home today, go to the book of Psalms. Look at 146 to 150 and see how that can be part of your prayer. John the Baptist is in prison. He's faithfully awaiting, but maybe he's a little bit impatient. Go out there, friends. See, is this the one, he who is to come? And what does Jesus tell the disciples? Does Jesus tell them, you got it? Did he? What did he say? Go and tell John the baptizer what you see and you hear. You don't just have to tell what somebody told you what. Go tell him what you see and you hear. And what did they see and they hear? They saw Isaiah 35. Not only Isaiah 35. They saw the Elijah in Naaman curing the Syrian uh, leper of Elisha curing the boy who bringing him back to life. My God, something is happening. Yes, it is he who is to come. Not only the Messiah, but God among us, which means, how do you spell it? Starts with an E. Emmanuel, right? One of the last words in the book of Revelation. The great title. That second reading, he's telling us uh, in James, telling, okay, we're looking forward to the coming. We know he comes and he's changing our lives. We want to have the completion and fullness, but be patient. Like the farmer who just plants a tree, you got to wait. The life comes from God. You don't know how that life comes. <laughs> the life comes from God. It's going to be God's way. And be patient like the prophets. When did Isaiah write? About 500 years before Christ. Talk about waiting. You got time? <laughs> you know, I want to finish real quickly, friends. 60 years ago, this coming April 16th. There was a man of God who did what we, what Paul in the letter to the Romans that we read last week, remember chapter 15, 4 to 9. Paul is teaching about how to, um, about uh, encountering challenges. And he cautioned 
patient endurance. Remember we talked about that just kind of look at what's there, focus. And then turn to the scriptures for guidance. Last, 60 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., wrote a fascinating letter, a powerful letter from the Birmingham jail. April 16th, 1963. Now some white pastors had cautioned Martin Luther King, you know, be careful, let's not continue on with this, you know, we got to take time, time takes time, blah, 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 about the segregation and this and that and the other, where people had just enough of it. And he knew that there was <laughs> patience, there's enough in patience, but there has to be a change. He writes a letter on April 16th. It's two days after Easter, four days after Good Friday. And in that, he speaks of holy patience. And he speaks of a response that's like Christ, nonviolent, but proud. And a faithful awakening, which means service, which sometimes means we'll be beaten. But that God calls us to be alive for him. So faithful awaiting. That was a lot to talk about today. I'm sorry if I kind of ran you over time here. But it seems like Advent time is a good time to just spend a little time indoors with the Lord, with each other. And see that 2023 you and I are going to have work to do to build up our neighborhoods and our city, our state and our country, to keep bonds with the people back home, to unite us all in Christ Jesus, in his holy body and blood, received and becoming part of the body of blood, the church, can the church be that light of faith? I think so. Can it start here at St. Cyril? It already has. Can we affirm that in the way we live today? Do it. And check out the Psalms 146. God is our strength.